0: Good morning everybody welcome to another episode of the better faster podcast so uh cooped up joshie has been using his time wisely he did some reading this weekend about the about the shoulder man so we're, we're gonna get clinical again on this episode and think talk about the the really talk about what the shoulder center modification procedure kind of dive into that a little bit yeah man so what's all, what's that all about
1: yeah well you gotta find something to do with your time yes, now sir. i guess uh, no, no so i was- when I went on my last rotation of PT school and I was with Zach up at Onward in Charlotte, they had, uh, you know, this was something that he used a lot. Um, and so I had read the material he had given to me. And then um, over the course of the weekend, i re-listened to a, uh, a, you know, some talks that he's done about it. And I was like, you know what, I need to go back and read some of these articles, go back through and make sure, you know, I'm performing this uh, you know performing this well and getting you know meaningful information out of it and so I, I went back through and reread a couple um, articles from Jeremy Lewis that's the the author and the the person who came up with this assessment procedure and and some of the most interesting stuff is the why this might be necessary and that is um, you know you read a lot of these articles and go through the background information there's a lot of stuff about the shoulder um, you know there's a lot of things that, that we get, you know, muddied waters a lot of times. We know that imaging isn't great, right? We know that in terms of its correlation with um, pain or with function and, and, you know, the correlation between that and actual some change to structure. Um, But also from an assessment perspective, uh, it's really difficult to to kind of come up with, you know, to isolate any kind of structure, right? And that's kind of what we all learn in PT school. It's like, oh, we're going to do this test for, you know, to test this structure or this test to test this one. And, and, or realizing that's really not the case or something like this could be used to help, uh, inform, you know, a treatment approach.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, it, uh, this is not something I've really formally gone through, um, as far as the system because it's a system. Right? It is there's, system. Yeah. There's a lot of different ones out there, and you know I know there's ones that I naturally have affinities to, and and some I yeah, yeah. don't. Just there's a lot out there that I've never even tried out or seen. But right. from what I understand, this is essentially an assessment system based off of cinematic movements, yeah. As it pertains to the shoulder, correct?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, what you're trying to identify is first what you know what's a maybe a movement or a movement pattern that is. Uh, you know, that does provoke symptoms. And then you're trying to actually see if you can modify those symptoms through uh, positioning essentially, so positioning of the T spine, positioning of the scapula, or positioning of uh, the humeral head. So uh, you're you're going through kind of this uh, this system or this procedure of step by step to determine, say, its shoulder. You know, shoulder flexion. You have them flex the shoulder. You uh, you see well, you know. You're kind of gauging their irritability and their symptoms, and then you're having them repeat that symptomatic movement while having, um, you know, while adjusting something about it to see if you can, uh, either have a no change, uh, you know, a change for the worse or a change for the better or a complete resolve of symptoms. And so it starts with the, the T-spine and then you go through scapular position, um, things you're looking at are, are changes with, um, elevation, depression, retraction, posterior tilt, or, um, you do some combination, you can do combinations of those movements. Um, then you're looking at, uh, more of like the, quote, humeral head procedures. So you're looking at, um, you know, depressing or or other things like that. Or actually using a band um, where you're having uh, you're applying a force, uh, you know, an ADP or PDA force there, um, and with inclination to see if any of that modifies the symptoms of that provocative movement.
0: Is it got to be like an NPRS uh, change of greater than two on the on the pain scale? To yeah. So to that that's kind of thing valid, too. Yeah.
1: So it's it's actually kind of one of those things of where it's it's really subjective in that like what is considered meaningful change and um in the primary i guess i don't know if we call it the primary article he's got a a bunch of articles on it um but typically they leave that up to the patient on whether the patient can it's like the patient determines whether it's a meaningful change in symptoms right and that can be a change in pain that can be a change in actually just function so it could they could change their range of motion their range of motion is is Um, you know, significantly increased or decreased with whatever, with whatever the procedure was, or uh, yeah, it could be pain or just the, the uh, how the movement feels subjectively. So they actually leave that more up to the patient to determine if it was like a clinic clinically, or I guess a, a, you know, meaningful change.
0: Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's definitely a a smart system makes a lot of sense because it's trying to get away from the, you know, purely patho anatomical approach, right. You know, is it, is it this, tendon? Is it this structure of the tendon that's causing the issue? Um, Because really and truly that stuff doesn't necessarily change the way that you treat, right? Right. And uh, so, you know, typically we do treat based off of symptoms largely for the most part. And of course there's always exceptions to that, especially when you're, you know, dealing with, you know, post-op and things like that, but that's a different conversation. But, you know, I guess with that said, um, you know, with your experience with this, do you feel like it's significantly changed the way that you treat shoulder patients?
1: I would say yes. In that it is, I think even when we learn them in school um, and and kind of through rotations and starting out, you kind of learn that our ability from an assessment perspective and going through the traditional more special test model after, you know, assessing range of motion and strength and that kind of thing um, is is not providing a ton of, uh, useful information necessarily. For instance, you know, the empty can versus full can exercise, there are eight or nine other muscles that are also, at, you know, active, uh, you know, during those movements, we're not isolating anything there. And so, uh, and, and when you look even at the anatomy and the, the, how the, the, you know, at the insertion, you, you know, a couple of your cuff muscles are essentially fusing together. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's tough to isolate, and so for for me with this, I typically use this as part of uh, a shoulder assessment to to give me a good starting point and a framework from which to go. Because I think number one, it creates buy-in initially, um, and I think that's a big thing too. Um, our friend Jeff always talks about building the bike, and it's like when you can create. You know, I'm not someone who chases short-term outcomes, but when you can show the person that like you know, they're talking about, I have trouble reaching over my head and you can do something positionally that immediately improves their symptoms with reaching overhead. Already now they're starting to get bought in that there's something that's going to be able to be done here that I can do to, to be able to improve. I can, I can already see that that could happen there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I think confidence is one thing where it really helps people there. Um, I typically will, will use it too, also from a warm-up perspective. So if I find one of these uh, really affects their, their emotion too, and they're more of a, and athlete type person or they're, they're going to the gym, I might have them utilize some of these specific type of, uh, uh, exercises with these, uh, alterations to them as like a warm up leading into it. Um, so for me, I think it gives me a good starting point. Uh, I think we, we <laughs> traditionally try to figure out and diagnose what is, you know, what exactly is wrong, like it, you know, what structure is affected. And so for me, I think this gives me more of an idea of what I need to work on, uh, to allow them to get back to doing the motion that, that they need to be able to do, or to be able to f- perform what they how they need to perform.
0: So it's it, if we back up a little bit. It, it's okay to to get some you know short term improvements, right? As long, as, long as it lead to that, I think
1: that's as long as it lead to long term improvements. Just yeah. to people on the internet, you know, yeah, get dude, together people, and have yeah, that mom oh mentality gosh, so doesn't mean that it's I not know, meaningful.
0: Because if it's meaningful to the patient, it matters, right? It is
1: exactly. <laughs> and It's true. We're talking about buying here too. Yeah, this might be somebody who's gotten. You know who's been told they may need surgery. This might be somebody who's maybe already had injections, or who's maybe even failed conservative treatment somewhere else because they've, you know, been given some cookie cutter rot- rotator cuff program that mm-hmm. the, that the person gives to everybody. And so you got this person coming in here who who, depending on their situation, they may be thinking that they need to go under the knife. And we already know, and as um, uh, Dr. Lewis uh, puts in a lot of these papers too, the the stats on conservative care and versus uh, surgical options. Um, surgery is not necessarily going to be uh, you know that much better if better at all and so for um, for for me if I can show them a little bit and build some confidence that hey we can make some meaningful change here um, and and then you know explain to them you know what the process is going to look like and that this is not an overnight type thing uh, you can start to create that buy-in there's nothing wrong with with using that short-term outcome to leverage mm-hmm. them into buying into what you're doing so that way you have the time and they put the effort in to achieve that more
0: long-term yeah. outcome no doubt. And so as I, as I'm kind of, you know, reading over this and, and going down this list, I'm thinking about like the, the actual feasibility of it. Like I'm actually kind of picturing myself in the, in the treatment room with a patient on an initial eval. And, you know, I, when I think about my approach to other sy- systems, there are times whenever I will go down the system, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, A to B all the way A to Z, but then there's times where I'll kind of use bits and pieces and this kind of thing too. I got to think though, that you know, I got a patient coming in, we've done a really good subjective and they kind of told me a lot about what's going on, mm-hmm. you know, just you know, kind of starting to get some patterns going in our head and that kind of thing too. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure if I'm the kind of person that's actually going to you know systematically go down yeah. this. Of course, we're going to start with thoracic spine and get into different shoulder positions, but I, I don't I don't realistically think I would do every single one. For and, sure. and I'm not sure if that's what the author's even calling for. So you know I don't want to yeah. you know be wrong in that assumption as well too. But it's just a little bit of commentary I want to throw out there.
1: Oh, for sure. I, I would be lying if I said I go through every single one too. I think the, you start to recognize patterns mm-hmm. um, on typically when someone has uh, you know symptoms with a certain movement typically more maybe your go-to's are going to be a certain you know a certain aspect of this mm-hmm. procedure and, and a, a lot of times for me that is simply loading the cuff during the movement so uh, you know oftentimes if someone has issue going up overhead you apply a little bit of a force say putting their pants between some bands or something mm-hmm. to where you you make that posterior cuff fire off a little bit more mm-hmm. then they're able to perform flexion with a little bit of a reduction in symptoms uh, you know or something where you're uh, applying a slight quad. Glob- or something to the the humeral head or you're you're trying to you know uh, you know position them to where they can upwardly rotate a little bit mm-hmm. better like you you're st- there's some patterns you develop too and for me that it, it's almost more of like a like you said you have a good subjective and you think you're 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 on to you have your hypothesis of what's going on where you want to go it's almost more for me of uh, validation in that instance of where sure. it's like you know i think that this is going to be based on what you're telling me in your presentation that this is going to be helpful and then going to it and actually seeing that change in their symptoms that, you know, continues to, to further, you know, support what I'm already thinking. And that can continue to go down that rabbit hole.
0: Yeah. No doubt. I just, it sort of makes me think about like, you know, over the years when you meet like the McKenzie guy or the FMS yeah. guy, and everybody's going to get this full McKenzie evaluation or everybody's going to my spidey sense start to tingle. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, for like, sure. For oh, sure. Come on, this guy's well,
1: it's like that. Yeah, you know, selling of some force are, of work yeah. or something. You know what I, mean? I mean, both of us are, are have a lot of sfma into our our evaluations and things yeah. like that but neither of us go through i would say the the entire thing mm-hmm. exactly by the book right it's right. more of uh we utilize the parts that we think are very effective and and use them in the right time so you know the right situations i think this kind of fits into that to me so when i have a shoulder uh a, a patient that comes in with what could grossly be determined uh Rotator cuff related shoulder pain, um, or that's another Lewis term, or just subacromial impingement syndrome, or whatever you want to call it. Those kind of junk terms. That kind of uh, over, you know, have everything. Or rotator cuff tendinopathy. You know, we tendinopathy, I guess, could almost be put into that junk term category of again. It's like, you know, it, it's tendon pain. You know, essentially or pain in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of gives me another set of tools to evaluate where I want to start with them and what I think. But I think ultimately. Yeah. Uh you know, what what we find out from all of this is eventually we gotta figure out how we're gonna load this thing up too. And mm-hmm. so if I can figure out how to help them move a little bit better, reduce symptoms and it lets me get into loading, then mm-hmm. that's what I ultimately am trying to do. Yeah, no
0: doubt. And and I could kinda sort of see how this will putting this into actual practice and using the language that comes with it is definitely going to, you know, get you and probably the patient away from some of that pathoanatomical language. Yeah, so yeah. people are literally worried about a bone spur that could, may or may not be oh, present yeah. underneath their acromion and that sort of thing. It's something they read, you know, on the internet about oh, yeah. different types of and acrom- stuff like that. So, you know, I, I, do, I do like that regard. And again, like you said, the buy-in, you know, making that noticeable change, you know, within the session, giving them some hope that you can build off of is is a good thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. True. And
1: I think that the biggest thing with this thing too, again, not to change the whole topic of the, this conversation, but the language of it is, is so important there. And a lot of times the language even being used is just flat out incorrect. Like, Mm -hmm. um, when you look at some of the, the research in this area, you know, and we look at just, you know rotator cuff cuff tears right where do they even occur most times not even occurring on the acromial side of the tendon they're occurring more on the joint side of the tendon anyway um and and also the prevalence of rotator cuff tears post uh, you know acromioplasty or something they, they actually go through the surgery and then they end up having this rotator cuff here it's like well then how why is our problem not fixed here it's all i think um Ultimately, we, we really are not great at determining what's going on from a diagnosis perspective. So for me, if I can determine, you know, look at their impairments, look at their symptoms, and look at their function and, and try to determine how I can improve all of those things. And, and this kind of, I would say this kind of helps me do that.
0: So the chromium probably had nothing to do with it in the first place, dude.
1: There's no correlation you with know. like type of a chromium or shape or even anything. The type three, no, even no, the, no, even dude, the hook. There's not the the, hook. from from my understanding of the our current uh, base of literature, and I would not say I am the. The expert in this area, it does not seem to appear to be that the type of acromion really affects the prevalence that often, right? I think yeah. it's I think it's over overblown there.
0: Yeah, and that makes sense. That's why you see all those articles that keep coming out about people with full thickness tears that did just as well, if not better, than those that got rotator cuff repairs. And yep. things like that too. So you know that definitely jives with the literature for sure.
1: Yeah, so I think you're trying to improve their ability to function, and mm-hmm. and ultimately that comes through a graduated exercise program. As you know, you got to load them up, and you got to mm-hmm. load them up based on how they respond to it. Um, and then for me, a lot of times using something like this, you know, you get a lot of it's buy-in, but it also kind of helps me determine, you know, how I want to load them up and and irritability as well. And some other factors that are going to be important along, you know, in determining what the treatment process is going to look like.
0: Awesome, man. So for those, uh, for our listeners that want to actually, you know, read about this and and, and look this up and see it for themselves, maybe put into practice. It's, it's free, right? You know? Yeah. 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 There's open
1: access stuff out there. Um, Jeremy Lewis is the guy, um, Mm -hmm. you know, he's, I mean, he's published on this kind of stuff. I mean, for years i think um the first article in which it was mentioned i think is 2009 um -hmm. is how far back it goes um and he's had some of the more recent ones um you know in the last couple years that i think are still have still been very beneficial too and there's been some some um studies too trying to look at um you know the effectiveness of using the system and that kind of thing too so uh, i'm definitely a, a fan of it because it focuses on movement and improving their function. And for me, that's that's what I'm trying to do. So I, I think it's a, a useful thing to maybe throw into to your shoulder evals.
0: Good deal, man. Well, as always, if you haven't already, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, hit us up, email, Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, we appreciate all your listeners. Love you guys. Appreciate all the shout outs and the episode request. And we will be back next week. Have a great week and one last thing if you like the episode please head on over to itunes subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review that way we can reach more people and if you have any questions a topic that you want us to cover or maybe a person that you think we should interview hit us up on instagram at better Faster podcast you can also keep up with updates on our physical therapy and strength and conditioning businesses by giving us follows at Vertex PT and at VertexStrength. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Monday.
1: This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist, One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at VertexPT.com or on the gram at VertexPT.